0: Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you've opened any of the streaming services in the last wee while, chances are you've come across a music documentary that's different to every other music documentary because it goes behind the scenes with the artist. Taylor Swift has had one. We're getting one from Lewis Capaldi. We're getting one from Ed Sheeran. All of these young artists are getting in-depth documentaries. But on Paddy's Day, uh, Disney Plus launched their documentary with, are you ready for this now? David Letterman and Bono and The Edge. And it is a different take, I suppose, on those deeply emotional, tell me the pain that you've gone through to bring us that song, shake it off or whatever it is. It is beautiful. And I am delighted to have our own Tom Dunn with us now to talk about it because, Tom, there's an awful lot going on in the U2 sphere. Not only do we have a new album, not only are we getting a series of gigs in Las Vegas, we're also getting this different take on the world of U2 through the eyes of David Letterman. Um, talk me through the, the initial premise.
1: Um. Well, it's David Letterman Comes to Dublin And it's very much Dave taking a look around Dublin and going to places like Caviston's and buying cheese and going into McDade's and and ordering lunch and stuff like that. And all these kind of famous landmark places and and famous pubs, though he doesn't drink, just popping his head in. And then at the center of it all, he hooks up with his two kind of mates because they have a long relationship of David Letterman interviewing you two down the years. So he's hooking up with Edge and Bono and just Edge and Bono. And it's very clear it's not the other two lads. This is kind of a post lockdown exercise uh, when uh, I think Adam was off making a documentary and Larry is injured mm-hmm. uh, as we know at the moment so it's just the two lads and um, there's little bits of interview with them um, well m- many bits and then there's a performance in the Ambassador Cinema in the round to an invited audience and the invited audience itself is a breath of fresh air because i watched this with a group of hacks you know and mm-hmm. we we're all looking at each other and saying were you invited to this and we we're looking at each other saying if one of us is invited to this we'll have to kill them um because <laughs> it's just not on <laughs> but but we we're delighted to find that none of us had been invited to it which was good i felt good about that yeah um, so that's in the round and they're kind of school children and and they're just people who are really delighted to be there they're not You know, the cynical people, not saying hacks are cynical, but um, they really appreciate where they are. And then, interestingly, there's a bit of a performance in a pub. Now, I think it's Hogan's. I don't really know my pubs very well, but it looks like Hogan's to me. Mm -hmm. And that's a situation you'd never see you two. And, you know, in the round, not quite singing rebel songs, but very close to singing rebel songs. And surrounded by uh, Glenn Hansard and Colin McNamara. And and people like that, you know, so um, I found it really, really brilliant. I don't know what I was expecting, but I found David Letterman's presence in it. That was the key to everything, because he's really a fantastic presence. He's 75. He has this kind of wise old man vibe, big white beard these days, looks a bit like Father Christmas and mm-hmm. um, still a wonderful curiosity about him. A kind of a sense of serendipity with him that he he loves being the age he is. He loves the life he's lived. He loves getting to come to Dublin. He loves getting to see you too. Loves getting to hear their music. And he's still razor sharp yeah. in interviews. I mean, as somebody who's, who's interviewed lots of people, as if you, you can't help but watch somebody when they're being quiet, when they're eliciting more out of someone they're interviewing, and and when they just ask a really simple like a five word question mm-hmm. that just sets the whole thing off in a new direction. He has that gift or he just sits back, lets them speak, and then just weighs in every now and again I And mean, when he does it so timely and beautiful. So you can't kind of take your eyes off him to tell the truth. And then on top of that, you have this stuff of you, too. Now I think a lot of people probably are, but, you know, worn out by you, too. That's only because we live in Ireland. We don't give them the respect they deserve. I know that sounds stupid, but if it was Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, mm-hmm. Be saying, you know, we'd be very open to say they're one of the best songwriting partnerships of all time. So are Edge and Bono, without yeah. question. And I think there are certain things about them that are very uh, charming. They're 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 very down to earth, despite everything, very down to earth, still both very driven, particularly Bono, very driven, wanting to do more. And and you know, they haven't let the whole thing go to their heads, they're they're funny together, they appreciate each other's company. Um, they're, they're a joy to watch.
0: Yeah, and I love the, the combination of all of these elements to me and that's why I was excited to talk to you because I am a huge U2 fan and sometimes you see headlines and you can roll your eyes or whatever but I think if you step back a little bit you have to acknowledge that they are incredible and what they've done for Ireland in terms of keeping us on the map is amazing but I think I... I don't know that I'd have enjoyed this doc as much if it wasn't for the involvement of David Letterman because as an interviewer, he is incredible. And I think one thing that we have to thank the streaming services for is giving this long form format to somebody like David Letterman who takes it, runs with it and then gets to highlight stuff that we didn't know. um. You're obviously an encyclopedia when it comes to all things music, but did you learn things that you didn't already know about you two?
1: Yeah, I, I did. I, I found that particularly with Letterman's questions, he asks the questions kind of a non-music person would ask, like just where do songs go, which bits come first, how do you guys work together? Um, I love all that. I love all that. Um there's moments where they write a song for him. They 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 you know they kind of explain. Uh, The Edge is explaining that uh, songs come to him in the night and and anybody who writes songs will tell you the same story. And if you want to be involved in writing songs, you have to wake up and write them down when they happen. And it's Mm -hmm. a real pain in the neck, you know. So I remember when I was writing songs, something happens. That was a regular occurrence. It was just a, and it was slightly embarrassing. You felt like you were trying to draw attention to yourself getting up in the night and recording something or singing something. Um, so he's telling the same stories, but he has these great apps on his phone. Right? So when Edge wakes up in the night and records something, it doesn't sound like something you and I would record. It sounds like an orchestra. Um, oh, wow. It's obviously there are all these things he's able to bring in straight away. So he plays this bit of music that came to him during the night. He plays that to David Letterman. And and then Bono starts working around 40 foot man as a lyric. You know, they're writing a song in front of your eyes. It's that old chestnut. It's Paul McCartney in in that uh, let it get back. Back, Yeah, where he starts writing, get back in front of your eyes. It's that, you know, and I think it's great song. I think it turns out really well. So there's little stuff like that and how they got together. And I ju- it's just really nice. It's just there's a freshness to it. I know it's probably a story we've heard, but he, he he brings a freshness to it in the way he approaches it. There are moments, though, there are little magic moments. There's one moment where the Edge just starts playing guitar, proper guitar in his studio with all his effects and um, starts playing it to David and And it's, it's the U2 orchestra. It's all those amazing sounds. From with or without you, or pride, those really yeah. chimey, stunning guitar parts that the Edge is just so brilliant at, and David Letterman is just looking at him in disbelief, <laughs> and he says, "You know, if God takes me now, I will have no complaints." <laughs> you know, this is just such a wonderful thing to be up about. I always say it: someone's uh, they take out their talent, yeah. the reason you know of them in the first place. It is often very you, know, you have to laugh; it's so good when you hear it. So it's it's a bit like that.
0: But isn't it amazing for a band that's been around for as long as U2 for that level of wow moment to still exist? Because, you know, there definitely is, particularly when it comes to Irish people on U2, there's an element of I know this story or, you know, we've all sang along to Pride or whatever it is. But I think the level of interest is still there and the level of intrigue too. like the Beatles documentary when that came out, my jaw was wide open Because there's something magical about getting insights into the brains of these people who've been around for such a long time and whose songs are part of our, not even culture identity, but identity. There is a magic to it.
1: There is an absolute magic to that. And I think you are wondering where did it come from and how did it get so good? Even as he was asking questions about the early days. um, I remember I, I, I know Dick Evans, The Edge's brother, quite well and and I, I at a dinner party once I said to him well, you were there at the beginning he was in a band called the Virgin prunes and I was saying like well, what what was it and he said from the word go it was word world class from the moment they started making music together it was just world class and that is there and, and you hear it on the songs of surrender uh, with everything stripped off you really notice Bono's lyrics yeah and the lyrics too out of control um God married they make boys but not like this one that's that's such a perceptive lyric. For somebody mm-hmm. to write on their eighteenth birthday, yeah. Uh, so you're you're just thinking they were always just a different a cut, a different cut, cut above the rest of us. No question about it. It took me years to write lyrics, uh, semi decent. Well, and it's funny when I I was writing quite good lyrics in my late twenties to describe how I felt when I was eighteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, in horse show jumping, there'd be a time fault there. You know, it's just you're <laughs> going to be just if these barred for that. They were on the money straight out of the out of the, the traps. And when you see them at the peak of their powers, he's, they're still only 26, 27. It's again, it's like the Beatles um, when they're recording a day in the life. They're they're 26 and 27 as well, which is yeah. really phenomenal. It really is. So they have that world class edge from the moment he picked up a guitar. It seems to be a different class of an animal completely. To everybody else. Uh, and that hasn't gone away. And there's moments when he's playing guitar in the background and you're just looking at it and going, what he's doing is so fantastic, so marvellous. Who wouldn't want to sing over it? Uh, so, yeah, where, where it comes from is a big thing. To see it in front of you is brilliant and it's brilliantly filmed and there's great wit about it. Uh, mm. And I found the whole thing very uplifting. I don't want to give away the ending because there is an ending to it. There is. There is a lovely thing happens at the end. And we were all cheering in the cinema. And that Aww. happened, yeah, I, I tell you. it was, for a thing, it was it was released on on March seventeenth for St. Patrick's Day and for a lovely little thing to find and watch. You couldn't top it. you really couldn't beat it. It's a wonderful piece of work.
0: I'm also excited to see uh, what they do with their Las Vegas show because I listen to a podcast called Smartless with Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. It comes out every Monday. It's my highlight of my week, which is pathetic, but it's true. And Bono was on with them around the time of his book, and he was kind of teasing the Las Vegas show. And he was saying that what they're going to do in Vegas couldn't possibly be done anywhere else. And I was at their last tour, which I think was Innocence and Experience. And holy moly, like what they did with the lights, with the screens, with the satellite stages, it was just remarkable. So for, from a tech fan point of view and from a U2 fan point of view, I'm kind of waiting with bated breath to see what they managed to pull off. Do you think the the Vegas res, uh, residency is a good idea for them?
1: I do. I, I think when the Vegas residency is put to you and you think about the enormous effort and creativity that you would put into designing lighting shows and, and you can do so many different things now, lights and sound and all atmos maybe mm-hmm. might be probably will be part of how you hear this gig. And um, There are so many different levels on which you can approach this and make it into an incredible show. To do that and then break the whole thing down and put it in a truck and drive for 500 miles to the next venue suddenly seems like a ridiculous thing to do. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, especially in light of all the green energy and everything else mm-hmm. going on. It seems like a crazy thing to do. So to have the audience come to you suddenly makes an awful lot of sense. Um, so that, yeah, that is, and they've always been a band. They, they've driven the parameters in everything they've ever done. When we used to record albums when you're in the studio. If you're going to mix it, you'd put on U2's most recent album. And that was what albums sounded like. That was as good as an album could sound like at that time. It was like suddenly you'd hear levels of bottom end that had never been on records before. And you're wondering, how can I get that? And they took the same approach to their stage shows. The Zero Tour in particular was like nothing else anybody's ever seen. So that creativity is still there. But it, there's a big thing that's been going through my head since the one man show and the album, and, and this as well, and it's it's coming from Bono. I just pick up from Bono a, a certain frustration in him that that sa- says to me that he's really not finished with where you two are going. Yeah. He's not happy to have two of the greatest albums of all time, and then loads of very other very good albums. He wants more. There's some. He wants to do something that completely astounds people. I really feel that in him. And that may involve dragging the rest of the band with them. I, I, I get a bit of energy from the times that you think I might need to wake these guys up a bit and he'll do it because he's, you know, he's, he's he's got the energy of, of wild dogs. He, 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 still, the one man show was just phenomenal. So I think there's there's there are more turns in this road yet. And God, if we get to see them in Vegas together. Won't that be lovely, Jess?
0: Yeah, I'm already booking our flights Tom me and you will be there uh, we'll sell merch, we'll sell drinks, we'll do anything to, to be there because I am genuinely excited about it uh, I think it's going to be you know, it's going to set the bar I guess for the next level of tours and artists and so on talking of next generation of artists uh, I mentioned at the top there, you know, there's a whole uh, genre now of these music docs coming to streaming services so there's one coming with Lewis Capaldi but the one that got a bit of attention this week was uh, Ed Sheeran and I want to get your take on you know I, I don't want to sound like a brick grudger but because of TikTok and social media and all the rest are we celebrating some of these music artists too early in their career like are, are we giving everybody these complex backstories to make it more attractive and are we putting them up on the same pedestal as the likes of you two the Beatles and all the rest too early
1: Uh, I don't really know um I I find it very hard to to stay focused um in conversations regarding Ed Sheeran (laughs) 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 um I do my best he was in Game of Thrones wasn't he um yeah, um, I don't know. And in that song, yeah, in that band, the, the film Yesterday, I thought he was very funny in that Um yeah. I don't know, I, you know, I hear these things about him that he can hold a crowd in the palm of his hand and um, a band man, remember him, the, the very funny guy. He, he toured with Ed Sheeran before either of them were famous. And he was saying even then Ed Sheeran could hold a crowd in the palm of his hand. So I'd be intrigued by all that. There won't be a story, a backstory to the level of U2's backstory. Um, he's simply too young. But mm. who knows? Maybe there are twists, uh, hidden depths. Who knows? The other guy, <laughs> I know even less of it. Um, all I can say is that I saw Sam Smith's Fisher Them interview. And and for me, that was a moment when an entire musical movement just jumped the shark completely. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I lost all patience with certain arguments. And that's that. Got done now. Gone. Over. So who knows? Uh, but they have the audience, I suppose, and, and, and millions of people will tune in. So who's going to argue with that?
0: Yeah, not I anyway, that's for sure. Uh, OK, so let's leave those other ones. But there's a solid uh, recommendation to watch the U2 doc that is available now on Disney+. Plus. Their album is just gorgeous. And it's a retake on the majority of their famous songs. And it is just Stunning to listen to, so I I'd recommend that too.
1: Again, listening to it, you've hit the nail on the head there. And again, if you have a good stereo system or whatever, you know, it's one that really lends itself to listening on a good system. It, it's been beautifully recorded; the sounds are gorgeous.
0: That is the YouTube fan club coming to a close for today.
1: I have no bad words to say. I I really think they're they're a great band, and and we're very lucky having them. And they they're like a band everyone should aspire to be like. They've never rested on their laurels, always trying to drive things forward. They're always seeing what they could do next. There's a real hunger about them. They haven't gone mad. You know, they're they're decent people. They don't have um, skeletons in in their cupboard of any major note that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're they're a great band.
0: Tom Dunn, thank you so much for joining us here on Tech Talk. Uh, I'll see you in Vegas. You will indeed. Yeah, I'd love to know what you think of the doc. Are you bored of these in-depth documentaries? Do you think that they're unwarranted in the case of some newer artists? Uh, You can email me techtalk at newstalk.com. Now, when we come back here on News Talk, we're going to hear how Dublin Simon community is using AI to tell the stories of those impacted by homelessness.